the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain Nutrition, Chewing the Fat podcast episode 120 with special guest all the way from america it's 5 a.m when she's speaking to me and she is surprisingly chirpy it's stephanie lewis who is a personal trainer and a body confidence specialist she's going to talk to us about her own personal fitness journey where she's dropped over 200 pounds kept it off for six years and has gone from not being able to walk down the street to actually signing up for her very own Ironman training. It's a great podcast. You're going to take a ton of value from this. Enjoy. So we are joined today by Stephanie Lewis. I've just been practicing that, uh, who has come to join us for today's episode. So Stephanie, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I am the owner of Heart and Soul Fitness and Wellness in Lake Havasu City, Arizona in the U.S. I am a body positive personal trainer and fitness nutrition specialist. Really, at the end of the day, my goal is to help people feel good in their body. And that looks different for everybody because everybody is unique. 100% 100% like fingerprints. So I mean, we'll get on about the, I suppose, the kind of your definition of body, body positive personal training. But can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Because I know we've just been briefly talking, but you've been on quite the journey. So kind of when did that start? Where have you come from? Well, for me, my, my business came into existence because of my journey. And what... What happened was I've been a person that's been overweight my entire life. And I've been on, you name the diet, I've been there. I've gained weight. I've lost weight hundreds and hundreds of pounds throughout my life. And I came to this point where I was done. I was done with the diets, but I was also at the highest weight I had ever been. And I was also unhappy. I was complacent and I knew something still had to change. And I'm also a very linear thinker, a very goal-driven person. And so I'm like, okay, well, what can I do? And so it's just started with what can I do. And first thing that I did was drink a cup of water because 
you see all these like water challenges, like, oh, let's go drink a gallon of water. I knew like that wouldn't be something that I would sustain. I started with a little six ounce cup of water and a kitchen timer, one of those annoying bell kitchen timers. And every time it would go off, I'd walk to the other end of the office, fill it up and keep repeating that. Then the next habit was cooking at home instead of going through the drive through every day. And then it was, okay, pay attention to what I'm cooking at home, starting to look at what I'm actually putting in my body. These little habits start to snowball. So just being aware of what I'm putting in my body, I'm already starting to lose a little weight, starting to feel a little bit better. Then I'm like, okay, maybe I'm ready for exercise. Now, because I'm in a much larger body, I'm pretty close to losing my mobility at this point. So in my head, the only possible exercise is walking. So I walk to the end of the street and back, feel like I'm going to die. But I keep doing it. Walk to the end of the street and back, around the block, around the neighborhood. Then I get to the point where somehow it pops into my head. I, I wonder if I can run. So I do the same thing. I run to a stop sign. But in that moment, something pops into my head that I'm like, this is incredible. Now, I'm the kid that fakes sick in gym class. So running is a foreign thing. And I come home and I'm like, I got to figure out this fat girl running thing. And so then it becomes 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, marathons. Then I jump over into triathlon and build up in there. I'm training now for Ironman distance races. But through this whole process of going from this six ounce cup of water to Ironman distance races, I've lost over 200 pounds without the use of intentional dieting, without the restriction, without that mindset of, I can't do this. I have to do this. And that, that craziness that we get into with the plans and that, that, that box we put ourselves into when we're following traditional diets. And so I've, I've taken that model and brought it over into my coaching. Is, is really is the the compound, the compound effects of those small things. But what the the big thing I think the big turning point for me there from what hearing what I said there is when you said you concentrated on the things that you could do, and that for me is the difference between the, the kind of the fixed mindset. Here's all the things that I can't do. You know, my mobility is bad. I can't run. I can't do this, and I can't do that. And you know, what I can't afford to eat organically, and all these things like I can't, 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 can't. But when we concentrate on the things that we can do, it's always much more it's about a million times more things that we can do than than what we can't do and that you know really can be the difference between someone who's successful and someone who puts lots of barriers in front of themselves you know again just from my experience that like what can i do well i can just concentrate on drinking my water and i'm sure you know it'll come across with the people maybe that you work with like everyone wants that quick fix everyone wants that quick result and if you're just like all i want you to do for this first month just drink a glass of water every single day. Or, you know, whenever that timer goes off, 
I don't know, were you working from home or were you working in an office? Because I can imagine you get some complaints if you work in an office, if your egg timer keeps on going off. Well, I, I was working in an office at that point, but I was also the boss. So no one was going to complain. Oh, I was going to say, I'd be going, going and getting you a glass of water before it went off. Um, it really is that compound effect. And, you know, it's the whole uh, boil the frog analogy, isn't it? You know, the the idea that if you put a, I don't know why, I don't know where this comes from, but you put a frog into boiling water, it will jump out. If you put a frog in cold water and you slowly turn up the heat, then eventually it's going to boil. It's a horrible story. But a good analogy for that is building on those things. And again, you know, it's something I work on with clients is like having a to-do list. The more you tick off, the more momentum you get, the better you feel about yourself. So you go through, right, I'm just going to drink a water. And then, like you said, I'm going to go out for a 10-minute walk. And then I'm going to cook five of my evening meals at home. You know, and then the other two, I might still get a drive through or whatever. It's these small things, these small little wins that you get momentum, you build up, you build up, and then you start realizing to get the results. But I think that a big battle, and again, I'll ask you, we have is people have been set, fed such kind of uh, BS around the results to expect that everyone wants to lose a stone in a week. Oh, 14 pounds for you. Translating uh, it for you. So they don't want to, or, you know, if you go, right, all I want you to do for this first week is concentrate on drinking water or just logging your food. I just want to see what you're eating. People are like, no, I need to go in and I need to do spin classes and 10,000 steps and, you know, have no calves and do this and do that. Like, you don't, you know, just like you, you've lost, you know, over 200 pounds and it started by you just monitoring how much water you were having. Can I ask what time frame that was in, actually? So the... I lost the weight over about just over two years and I've maintained it for now over the, I've maintained the loss for over five, six years now, because it's, it's been about eight years all said and done. So what, what was the, I suppose, the, the, the turning point for you? Like you said, you'd done numerous diets and you'd lost the same, you know, kind of like hundred pounds or hundreds and hundreds of pounds on and off again. What, what changed for you? Obviously, we've had this kind of gradual approach, but was there any kind of mindset work that you worked on? Like, what was the big turning point for you? Well, you know, not only was it the I was physically miserable, but it there there was the emotional and the spiritual part of it because I really look at things from that that whole person, that holistic perspective, and you know, I. I also have PTSD. So there was some emotional things I had to clean up. I had to work on my coping mechanisms and how I was dealing with life. My spiritual life was pretty stagnant and I wasn't growing as a person. And so it was just also while I was doing all these small physical things to improve my physical health, I needed to look at those emotional and spiritual areas and also put some things in place there that to continue to grow and improve as well. And so even, you know, I have my, my coach and my sports nutritionist and all these people over here, I had to put the accountability over here to have these people, you know, helping to grow me to grow and to make sure that I was doing the things that were, were pushing me forward as well. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we often look at, or people will look at, right, uh, how do I lose weight? And, you know, the most annoyingly overused term in fitness at the moment is, is calories in versus calories out. Yes, that's the science of it. Amazing, you know, well done. Doesn't help anyone, really. You know, everyone already knows that. And the weight gain, it tends to be, especially with kind of the people that we work with, it's a side effect of something else. So it's people using food or drink, alcohol, whatever it is, um, to almost sedate themselves or as coping mechanisms. So until you fix those things, which when we go into you know, kind of mindset and uh, false beliefs around food choices and coping mechanisms and all the things that you've been working on, like until that's addressed, trying to stay within a calorie deficit might give you short-term results. But until you start changing the way that you act around food or think about food or you know, act in certain situations, then that's the root cause of, of your, your previous weight gain. You know, unless someone's accidentally gained weight by you know, accidentally eating 100 calories over their maintenance every single day, which just doesn't happen, then counting calories or tracking points or whatever it is, Yes, it will help you lose weight because that's the formula. But for long-term longevity, success, happiness, then we've got to look at these root causes and even kind of falls back to a conversation I was having with a client yesterday. We were talking about the relationship she has with her son. Um, and we were saying, oh, we'll, we'll get him sorted. And she kind of jokingly went, oh, yeah, I'll get my son sorted first. It's like, but he's one of the causes of you overeating because you use that as a coping mechanism for the stress. So yeah, if we get him happy and in a good place, that's going to have a snowball effect, you know, uh, a ripple effect onto you and your happiness. So it really is like, you know, when you, when you say the words holistic and my ears prick up because it's so much more than just eat less and move more. Brilliant. Thanks. Absolutely. And sometimes it's hard for people to look at because they walk in and they're looking for, okay, what do I eat? How do I move? They don't want to have the discussion about what's the stress in my life? How am I sleeping? You know, where, what is the things about my hydration? The, the, you know, the things around my sleep hygiene, what, what is my, my routine leading up to sleep at night? You know, there's, there's so much that plays into our life that affects our, our health and that, that overall wellness beyond what we're putting in our body and how we're moving it. Yeah, it's not so much kind of like what you're eating. You know, I'd say it's why you're eating it. Exactly. You know, so whether that's you think, oh, my chocolate adds so much value to my life, but I'm just desperately unhappy with how I look. Okay, then maybe we need to question that. You know, maybe we need to question, I'm not saying never eat chocolate again, but don't have it as a reaction to be, you know, having a bad day at work or whatever it is. So going back to, uh, I suppose, uh, the title that you've given yourself, being, what, what does a body positive personal trainer mean to you? So being a body positive personal trainer, I work with people of all ages, sizes, abilities, those with chronic conditions, illnesses, injuries. And it's meeting people where they're at with movement and coming back to that place of truly finding joy in movement. 
And it's, you know, I don't expect that everyone's going to find joy in running and cycling like I do. But I can promise people there is some form of movement that you're going to enjoy on some level. And regardless of what barrier you're experiencing to movement, we can get you moving in a way that's comfortable. It might mean we're making some adaptations. It might mean there's some modifications. It might mean timing is a little bit different. You know, one of the things is sometimes people discount the cumulative effect of exercise. That if I didn't work out for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, that, oh, the workout doesn't count. But for some people, maybe five minutes is all they can do. But if I can do five minutes a couple times a day or a couple times a week, that adds up. And it's starting to shift that mindset that what I can do right now matters. And really starting to push the needle that what you're able to do makes a difference and helping you to take what you can do and build on it. Just like any elite athlete. Great. What you do is fabulous, but what anybody can do in this moment is fabulous too really kind of echoes our approach um, around the exercise activity stuff as well. And it's the same thing with the food as well is like, I'm quite a bit of a, no, I don't know, like a weights nerd, I suppose. So I'm 43 now. I've been training since I was 15 and I still do the same exercises. I still squat and I still bench press and I still row and I still deadlift and I do all those things. And I don't mind doing that day in and day out and week in and week out and just, you know, slowly progressing, sometimes regressing, you know, all those things, but I don't expect everyone to do that. So like similar, I suppose, approach to you is, you know, we ask clients, what do you enjoy doing? It doesn't have to be optimal because unlike you, I'm not a fan of running. Odds are it's because I'm not very good at it. But if my coach, and again, accountability, my coach said, right, you need to run four times a week. I'm going to find every reason under the sun to not do it. It's raining, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too you know, warm, it's too sunny, it's too dark, whatever it is. But then if my coach said, right, you need to go to the gym four times a week and lift weights, but like, yeah, I'm on that. So I'd rather my client go and do like an aerobics class or aqua aerobics or whatever it is that they're going to consistently do and enjoy and put their effort in. Because like I said, if I go back to that running example with me, I'm going to half-ass half of them. I'm going to try and avoid a quarter of them. And I might do okay on a quarter of them. Whereas if you give me something that I really enjoy, even if it's not optimal for my goals, then I'm going to be invested in it. And like I said, it's a similar similar approach we have with um, with food as well. So yeah, it's about finding something you love. And you know, going back to what you said there, like again, I suppose it's, it comes back to what I said earlier: like closed and fixed mindsets versus open mindsets. You know, people are like, well, I only have 50 minutes to work out, so what's the point? And a great analogy I think for that was like if you're 
car was empty of gas and you only had $50, converting this for you, Stephanie, you only had $50, you wouldn't be like, well, I can't fill it up, so I won't put it in. Like, you'd put the $50 or you put the 15 minutes in there. So right. something is going to be better than nothing. Again, doesn't have to be optimal. But again, I suppose even going back to what I said right at the start, it's like it's gaining that momentum. It's doing something positive. And I know from my experience, if I'm training well, then I'm eating well. And if I don't train, then I'm more likely to kind of let my diet slip a little bit. Those two go hand in hand, and that's completely psychological. It's nothing physiological. It's just, you know, you feel on it. Um, so what's uh, if you've got someone who's really, really started, obviously it's kind of still the start of the year, but some people have kind of kicked off in January, what's the best piece of advice or what's the first bit of advice that you give to someone, either one of your clients or someone who's just reaching out for help? Start small. You know, we, we often come in with the, the grand sweeping gesture, the, the New Year's resolution, the I'm going to start on Monday, the, the I'm going to empty out the pantry and bring in all the new things and overhaul my calendar to, to do everything all at once. That's great. And the, the intention is, is wonderful. And I, I love where it comes from because it's, it's that commitment that you want to make a change. And I never want to dampen that for somebody. But when we try to bring that entire new framework into our life, it might be sustainable for a few days, a few weeks, a few months. But for some people, it may stick. For the majority, it doesn't. Because we're bringing so many changes into somebody's lifestyle at one time. When we bring in those little changes to what you already have in your schedule, how your life runs with, with whatever you have going on, your work, your children, what, whatever balls you got going on in the air, it makes it easier to keep things consistent. So if you're introducing new things, bringing in those small things and building on them helps you to keep it consistent, to grow it and see massive change. Now it's not, it's not sexy because you don't see the instant results. But if you look back in hindsight, you see the massive change. That, that's a big struggle. It's that delayed gratification that people want instant gratification. You know, talk about like a microwave mentality. You've got Amazon Prime, you've got microwave food, and you've got all these things that come instantly. And then, like you said, you know, if you set out and go, right, well, what's your goal? Well, it's this. Okay, right. Well, we're going to be working on this for about a year. Well, well, my friend sells these shakes and says I can do it in five weeks. It's like, yeah, that's not a sexy sell. But that that starts small. Obviously, I can add my little cogs turning when you're talking there. It, it's like, you know, and you said with the, the January kind of, we call it like January syndrome, where everyone wants to do cut sugar and do this and blah, blah, blah. And it's everything. It's like when you made that decision, like, right, what can I do? You were like, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to run an Ironman. And you're like, what? No, don't do that. 
walk to the end of the street back. You know, that's how you started. And now, now you're thinking about doing an Ironman or you're committed to doing an Ironman. But so often, you know, people don't see fat losses um, like a marathon. It's a sprint. It's like, what happens if you try and sprint a marathon? You blow out after the first, you know, 300 meters. You've got 26.2 miles to go. So you need to pace yourself. But before that, you have to do six months of training. You know, you start off running, like you said, you know, 1K, 3K, 5K, 10K. And it's building it up over time. So I think, and I totally get it. Um, it's just the nonsense that we've been fed for so long. It's just like, oh, you can lose seven pounds in seven days. You can have a abs in six weeks. Like, who can? Someone will be able to. I'm sure they will. But... There's always a, a diet program waiting around the corner to sell us their their latest and greatest pill powder and program. You know, it's it's the media and out there ready ready to pounce on us. But you know, the 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 tried and true consistency. You you can't argue with it. It's there. Yeah, it's just slowly, slowly chipping away at it, and then like you said, building it at a maintainable phase and not just going, you know, so many people expect just on day one, right, that's it. This is the one. This is my diet. I'm going to do it. Boom. And, and I have conversations with clients all the time because they get like about three weeks in, four weeks in, and then something happens, you know, they'll do some comfy, you know, some emotional eating. Like, oh no, my bad habits are coming back. And that's what you have to say. Like your bad habits haven't come back. They're still there. We're just working on how to deal with them better. That's it. You know, you got to expect to slip up. You got to expect to mess up. And I think when you do that, it's quite empowering because it does happen. You go right, cool. I made some choices that I'm not happy with. Let me look at what happened. Let me see if I can figure out a way to stop that from happening again. And then we can move on. And you just grow. And again, it's it's weird because it's like these are rules that we only apply to fat loss or dieting. It's like, oh, I've made one mistake. Then it's all ruined. I have to quit. Well, I you know, bump the curb when I'm trying to park or I'll park really badly or, you know, I'll do spelling mistakes all the time in emails or, you know, all sorts of stuff. I just go, right, I'm never writing another email. That's it. It's like, okay, I need to do some more spell checking. Um, but with your experience, I know you, you highlighted it earlier, like saying when you were coming in, you had like, you know, nutritional coach and how important do you feel is accountability? Because accountability is a huge part of what we do. Accountability and support and education are like kind of the three, the holy trinity of our kind of coaching plan. It, it is. It's, it's a cornerstone. And, you know, I, I, I just, I don't think a day goes by where I don't talk about accountability because it's, it's one of those things we, we need it in almost every avenue of life. And it's been so essential in my journey because accountability isn't just that person there that kicks us in the rear when we need a push forward. And so often I think accountability, we get that definition in our mind that it's something negative, that accountability is, oh, they're, they're going to get on me because I've done something bad. But no, accountability is encouragement. It's support. It's knowledge. It's resources. 
it's that structure that is there to lift us up, to really carry us through when we're struggling, but also to celebrate with us. And it's, it's almost the vehicle that continues to move us forward, whether we're doing good and we're pulling it along, or it kind of pulls us along when we're struggling a little bit. So it, it, it's a little bit of give and take sometimes, but it's necessary. And it, it's one of those things that you have to willingly be accountable. You can't come in and just let somebody beat you over the head because you're not going to be willing to hear what they have to say. You have to have the right people, the right relationships and have that connection so that you're open and honest. Yeah, I think the big difference between, like you said, I think people have a skewed view of accountability and people almost feel like, I don't know, is it maybe like a sign of weakness? It's like, I should be able to, I shouldn't have to be accountable to eat in a way that I want to eat or, you know, that I know I should eat. It's like, well, I'm a coach and I coach nutrition and I've PT'd for, you know, 20 years and I've done this. I still have someone that I'm accountable for my training plans. I still have someone that I'm accountable for my nutrition. So if I'm doing it, why do you think you shouldn't do it? But I think the difference, like you said, like the difference between accountability and I suppose like coaching or coaching accountability is what it, it makes you do what you said you were going to do. Hold you accountable is literally the definition of it. You know, and if you're, and I know if I'm accountable to myself, then I put stuff up, you know, no one's checking in. And when I'm accountable to someone, I might be doing the work, you know, like we have uh, business coaches. I might be doing the work two days before the deadline, but I'm still going to get it done. And if that wasn't happened, then it still wouldn't get done. But that difference between, yeah, um, particularly around nutrition, I think people think of accountability that you're going to send for a food diary and then your coach is going to be like, you shouldn't have eaten that pizza. Why did you eat that pizza? Like, that's just not, well, that's not a very good coach. For starters, if your coach does that, ditch them. You're going to look at, okay, again, the support part, okay? We've made a choice that we're not happy with. It's been, it's gone. Let's not beat ourselves up by it. Let's learn from this. And then breaking that down, again, said being as proactive as possible. How are you feeling? Who was around? You know, how did you feel afterwards? Addressing what's happened and coaching from it. You know, I kind of compare it normally to like a basketball coach. I don't know why I still play basketball. But if a basketball coach was just constantly like, if you were missing shots, they're just like, you need to put the ball through the hoop. That's amazing. You missed. You need to put the ball through the hoop. That's not going to get anyone anyway. What you need to do is you need to look at the player and see what they're doing, you know. And I don't know why I use basketball because I don't know any of the techniques, but, you know, are you, you know, like the ball too early? You know, have you got one foot off the ground? Are you not looking where you're supposed to be throwing it? Whatever. Terrible um, example. But that's the role of a coach is to bring someone on. It's to help them get better. And I think, yeah, when people hear like, oh, why should I have to be accountable for, for my food? Like, it's not a dirty thing. You know, it's not the dirty word. It's not a sign of weakness. It's just a sign of what it's, you know, someone wanting to develop, someone wanting to get better. So yeah, accountability and, and, and that support because this makes me sound like a terminator. Having someone who's not emotionally attached to those food choices can be a massive benefit. You know, the amount of times you get clients who just 
refused to send our food through the guy. It was an absolute car crash of a day. Like, look, just tell me what you ate. And it's like two chocolate bars. And you're like, that's really not that bad, is it? Or the fact that, you know, you had this at lunchtime, but then you had a really nutritious dinner, but you didn't let your tail spin. Massive positive, and you can really turn a day around for some people who will kind of, you know, tend to catastrophize over certain choices. So mm-hmm. that accountability and that coaching can just put you back on track, can just, you know, hold your hand and offer you a bit of support. It's like, it's not that bad. Let's just get back to it. Because those often those internal conversations we have ourselves are absolute killers and they're the worst ones you know we talk to ourselves much worse than we ever would do our best friends that's kind of something we often say to people when they're being harsh on themselves like what would you say to your best friend in this situation oh you've only lost two pounds this week that's rubbish like you would never ever say that you'd be like you're doing amazing keep doing what you're doing this is fantastic so yeah that's that's a big part of our plan um so i know on your bio you talk about being um, from a weight neutral stance. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Okay. So as as somebody that has been overweight, and even though I've lost a large amount of weight, I'm still a person that's not a very small person. And I recognize that not everyone's goal is weight loss. And that's something that not everybody always realizes when you walk into a fitness setting is there's a stereotype that people in larger bodies, their automatic goal is weight loss. That's one side of it. And so it's really having that general understanding of you need to know what people's goals are. The other thing is really understanding the why behind why somebody wants to lose weight and not focusing on the numbers. When somebody comes to me and says, you know, let's say I want to lose 20 pounds. Well, that's great. Why, why do you want to lose 20 pounds? Because what is, what does 20 pounds do for you? Like what, what, what is that number on the scale going to achieve in your life other than a, a, some magical number? And we, we, you start to have a conversation, you know, what, what does losing 20 pounds mean? You know, why, why do you want to do that? You get, you start to get answers like, I want to feel better. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I want my clothes to fit better. Okay, that starts to tell me something. I want to uh, be able to bend over and pick up things off the floor. I want to be able to chase my kids or grandkids. I want to not huff and puff when I walk up the stairs. I want to be able to get up if I fall on the floor. We start to really get more specific answers than just, I want to lose 20 pounds. Those specific answers give us a lot more things to look at in terms of nutrition. How do you want to feel in your body? Working on strength stability, balance, stamina, 
endurance. Those are the things then that we look at in terms of setting your goals of the small things that we work on in setting up your program. We don't look at this 20 pounds. We don't focus on this. I I honestly ask my clients, don't get on the scale. Like if you absolutely have to weigh yourself, do it once a month. But quite honestly, I really don't want you to get on the scale. I want you to focus on these things over here. I want you to focus on let's let's take some measurements on you know what's what's the distance you can bend in this direction or that direction and you know let let's take some different different tangible measurements in towards this goal or what whatever it is over here so that we can celebrate this so when we're working on these small goals that are really honed in, you may or may not lose that 20 pounds, but you're going to be feeling how you want to feel. You are going to have that sense of achievement that you wanted when you came in thinking, I wanted to lose 20 pounds because that's what you wanted was, oh, well, I can do the things I wanted to do because I thought, oh, well, if I lose 20 pounds, then I can do that. Yeah, I think we always think like the the end goal is always just happiness. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And using your example there. So that person thinks, well, I've lost that 20 pounds, then I'll be happy. And it's Mm -hmm. not always true. And, you know, full transparency, we do, our clients do track their weight, but we use other metrics to track as well. So um you know measurements for us but then all the other aspects like performance-based goals um you know sleep energy consistency there's a whole host of other things that go into it like i said generally people will think like well and you know similar conversation to you people come to us like what's your goal i want to lose 20 pounds yeah why why is that important to you like and then you get more like, oh, I'll feel more confident. My clothes will fit better. I'll have more energy. I'll be able to do this, this, and this. And then you start building that picture. And then you kind of go like, again, you're another layer down. Like, well, why is that so important for you? You know, Is your confidence low at the moment? How is that affecting your life? You start building this more emotive goal as to they just feel like at the end of 20 pounds, you know, or you might get like, I want to lose 20 pounds. Why? Because I felt better when I was 20 pounds lighter. Okay. Then what does that mean to you? Um Yes, often it's the end goal is just the happiness. And the way it's kind of irrelevant, you know, we look at like if someone does have a weight loss goal and I've got no issue with it, that's the direction that we're heading in. So what do we need to do to elicit that result? And let's focus on that. Like you said, I need to be more consistent with my nutrition. I need to address my emotional eating or my comfort eating. I need to um, plan better at weekends. I need to improve my activity let's focus on ticking all those boxes and again that weight loss will come as a side effect Mm -hmm. or you know as long as that that weight you know target it's not like you know that's the be all and end all you know you might say to someone so if you weigh whatever 200 pounds and then i can wave a magic wand now and that scale will say 180 but you're going to look exactly as you do now you're going to feel exactly as you do now you're going to have the same energy that you do now would you want that and they'd be like no like okay so then the way it's not the important part that's just 
the kind of a means to an end. How you look, how you feel, that's going to be better. You know, kind of say like, I've got two diet plans. One of them will make you lose weight on the scale, but you look exactly the same. This other one will make you gain weight on the scale, but you look exactly the one look. Which one do you want to pick? It's going to be the second one. But then often people will go like, but I still want the scale to go down. Like the scale doesn't matter. The scale is between you and the scale. That's it. And you know, not 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 frustrates, not even astounds me because I've been doing this for so long. You'll get a check-in from a client who'll be like, This week I have hit my steps. I've been so consistent with my food choices. I've been to the gym and I had three great workouts. I've drunk my water. I've done this, blah, blah, blah. And they'll have like 15 positives. I'm really disappointed. The scales haven't moved. Like how can you sideswipe 15 positives when you're putting all your happiness on something that will change if you go to the toilet? Like, are you, you know, if you drink a drink, then that scale's gonna go up. You go for a week, it goes down. Like you can't put all your happiness into something that is so flawed. It's an indicator over time, you know, like you know you've lost 200 pounds. So over time, you know that obviously your body's completely changed, but you can't put all your eggs into that one you know, flawed basket that goes up and down hourly, depending on what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, don't, like you say, you know, don't miss the wood for the trees, literally. But don't miss out on all these positive things that you're doing just because of one flawed system. So, yeah, I think getting deeper into that why. Okay, so what's at the end of that 20-pound loss for you? What does life look like there that doesn't look like now? What can you do there that you can't do now is really important because even going back to the accountability and the coaching part, <laughs> People don't, often don't want to answer those hard questions. Don't want to hold the mirror to themselves. What am I doing right now? Uh, and so much of it is kind of visualization. But I suppose looking at where you want to get to, what does that person do that you don't do right now? Because we need to start working our way towards that. And again, it could be, you know, you looking at yourself when you first died and going in two years' time or four years' time or well, six years' time it is now, isn't it? I want to be doing an Ironman. Okay, so we don't need to start training for an Ironman right now, but we do need to go for a walk around the block. That's our first step. We do need to start drinking some water. You know, and then that's that big blueprint that's, that's planned out. Um, yeah, fantastic. When is, when is the Ironman? Do you well, call him Ironman anymore? Is it Iron Person? No, it's still the Ironman. So I have two half Ironmans on the, on the calendar this year. So far, I I haven't haven't decided which full Ironman I'm going to do because with COVID and everything, my I was going to do Ironman Arizona last year, and with all the cancellations and reschedules and everything, everything just got so messed up. So now I'm in the process of picking what's next. Brilliant! I'm going to keep you accountable for it. I I will let you know. <laughs> but yeah thank you it's been great talking to you if people would like to get in touch or follow you where can they find you Stephanie. well i am on all of the social media networks on some iteration of heart and soul fitness and wellness um my most active is facebook heart and soul fit um that's s-o-l-e um, my website is heartandsoulfit.com, and that's heartandsoulsoulefit.com. And, soul, S-O-L-E, fit.com. and um, you know, I 
if you just hit me up on Google, I pop up and I'm fairly easy to reach and just reach out, shoot me, all my DMs are open. I'd love to chat. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been a very interesting talk and inspiring. Thank you. Thank you.